flesh, yet we do not regard him as such from now on. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, and this is an amplified version of the Bible, for I resolved to know nothing, to be acquainted with nothing, nothing, <clears throat> to make a display of the knowledge of nothing, and to be conscious of nothing <clears throat> among you except Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and Him crucified. Um, I think that one of the things that, um, especially in a small church, in a church life, that we can encounter in our families, in our workplaces, um, in our relationships, in our businesses, is that when we are in close quarters with people, um, we are going to see some brokenness. You're going to see my brokenness. I'm sure you have already. And Paul here is saying that he had such a sense of sacredness, he had such a sacred sense, a sacred perception, a, a sacred outlook of people. And this world that we live in doesn't have a very sacred outlook of people. Your neighbors aren't looking at your sacredness, probably, unless they're believers. They're probably looking at other things, like the way you park your car, or what you are not doing with your lawn, or how loud you are. I don't know what it is. And, you know, maybe a ball went over the fence and went into their yard or something, and, and they're not looking at your sacredness. But I think in the body of Christ, as Paul is saying, that we have this, we have this perception of one another as a very, as, as people are very sacred. And... And I think that when you look at your spouse or your kids or you look at family members, there's this real sense of respect and sacredness and you can see all of their brokenness yet at the same time there's something amazing about them. And Paul here is saying as the pastor, he's their pastor, he was, their, he was the planter of that church and he said, I've, I've determined not to know anything among you except for Christ and Him crucified. It takes living in our flesh to know someone after the flesh. Really the reason we want to know someone after the flesh is that so we don't feel so bad about our own flesh. And I think that it's easy for us to judge people because we just know so much of our own brokenness. And the measure that we know our own brokenness and our own failings is the measure that we recognize it in other people. And when God says that I, even I have blotted out your transgressions for my own sake and I remember not your sins, what does he mean? He means that he's blotted out all of our transgressions, that he no longer knows us after them. Praise God. Amen. Like he does not, if, if Psalm 32, and forgive me if I misquote a verse, but Psalm 32, it says that if God imputed sin, who would, who would stand? God is not dealing with us after our sins. Isn't that amazing? God's blessing, God's plan in your life is never based on your performance. It's based on Jesus Christ. So you may be feeling, I'm not so great today. Like, you know, as a dad, I don't know, I've said it before, but I feel like, you know, as a, as, a, as a dad, I'm like, you know, I thought I knew God. I thought I was born again. I went to Bible school, and then I became a parent. And then uh, <laughs> I need to go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 again or something. It's like we are so aware of our own failures and our own brokenness, and we can, get, we can live in that. And then we just think, God, you know, like, be merciful unto me, a sinner. But God is so willing to be so gracious and so awesome and so, so favorable to us because he has done this for his own sake. He's blotted out our transgressions. And that's how we have to treat each other, not knowing one another after the flesh, not knowing, we recognize, and I think it's important for us to understand our limitations and our flesh. If you're married, it's, under, it's important for us to understand our limitations and where we're broken. And we let people know where we're broken. But 
I think when we are bringing someone else's sins back to remembrance, we're lying against God. We're lying against God. We're revealing that we are not living in a principle that says our transgressions have been blotted out. The prophet said, I have blotted out as a thick cloud your transgressions and as a cloud your sins. I remember them not, for I have redeemed you. Isaiah 44, verse 22. This means that God has erased our sins as if they never happened and they can never be found. You know, in Leviticus 16 in the Old Testament, when, when all the sins of the camp of Israel were, were transferred to the, to the scapegoat and, and, the, and a fit man would take that scapegoat, which was where we get that principle of a scapegoat, is sent into the wilderness. It, notice that it's sent into the wilderness by a fit man. And who is that fit man? Jesus Christ. He sit, and he leads that he leads, leads that goat out into the wilderness. And that wilderness, that goat is in a place where it's not inhabited. God doesn't want people inhabiting locations where there's a lot of information about people's sin and their brokenness, because God has done that. God has God has forgiven that. God God the ultimate judge, like we we said last last week, John eight. Where are your accusers? Where are your judges? And the woman said, there are none exactly. I'm the only one that can judge you. Therefore, go and sin no more. He's the only one that could ever say that. And Jesus, Jesus does not want us to be trafficking information about other people's sins and our own sins and people's sins. That's why the church is so pure. And why is it pure? Because we're all such great people. No. It's pure because your sins, my sins, everybody's sins are at the cross and if we go digging something up, and this is the Old Testament, I'm going to finish now. This is the Old Testament principle of forgiveness that not only has they been forgiven and separated and disconnected from our identity, our sins don't belong to us anymore. Amen. They have been bought. And for me to go think about my sins and go think about somebody else's sins, I'm actually guilty of stealing from God something that's, stealing something that's not mine. And so one of the things that we all really grieve us is when we, here on the, on the news or we hear things about a brother or sister that's fallen and it's a high profile, I never want to read those articles because I'm just personally so grieved. Like it just grieves me, it makes my heart break. That's information I just don't want to know because it's sin, sin, yes, it's horrible. Charles Spurgeon wrote a, a sermon about the awfulness of sin and, but on the other side, there's something very sacred about people's failures and that is, is that they've been purchased and there's some, some way they're no longer part of your... And if you've had sin against you, if you've been sinned against, or if you sinned against someone, let's remember that we are not to know each other after the flesh. We're aware of things, but we're really focusing on the sacredness of a person. And as a pastor, as your pastor here, I say this sometimes, but my prayer is, is that I would that I always would look at you as God's sacred people. And this is really a gift that I can even stand here and talk, but um, that, that I would have this very sense of sacredness that what we do is very sacred and, and prayer and singing and preaching and preparing and all of this is very sacred. And, and if you ever want to incur the wrath of God on your life in an instantaneous way, start talking about his people behind their back. Mm -hmm. <laughs>